0: It is time for midday here on this fifth day of January. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Glad to be a part of it wherever you may be tuning in. Enjoy the weather. It's going to get a little colder, more seasonal-like temperatures. We'll hear more about that in a regional ag weather update with Paul Perkins coming up in just about 15 minutes. Right now we're seeing 40s and 30s, 49 right now in Kimball. Goodness gracious, it's nice and warm out there. But let's talk with our own Susan Littlefield. How are things in your neck of the woods? Nice and warm?
1: Um, Yeah, not too bad. I'm seeing a little bit of dripping of the uh, icicles coming off the side of the house. So I they think they're saying we're supposed to be right around 45 today. So hmm. it'll be a good day to get out and make some snowmen. Very or good. Something. Well, I it's don't know. gonna be a little Or slop, around, there. In yeah, yeah. slop, slop around in the feedlot. Yeah, slop around in the feedlot.
0: But what do you have for us uh, coming up in midday today?
1: Well, we're going to kick everything off here at 1219. The RMA administrator is going to talk more about enhanced coverage option and also some surveys and information they're looking for for producers, good and bad. He stresses that part when it comes to what they've had to deal with in crop insurance. Then Alex will get an update from the Nebraska State Dairy Association as they look back on what they saw in 2020. And then wrapping up everything will be Bryce at 117. As he looks at uh, talking with Adam Wagner, director of marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council, and they too will talk about success of a few campaigns of this last year. So that's a midday from the Farm Team.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Susan. Sure appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. All right. Let's turn it over to sports. And Jason Jorgensen. And tonight's big night for college football. The winner of the Heisman Trophy will Anything be announced.
2: of course. Normally this is handed out in December, but this has been a different kind of year for college football. So it is tonight. A lot of momentum here late in the year for Alabama receiver Devontae Smith mm-hmm. to win it. Uh, we've not seen a receiver win it since a uh, big fan of the Huskers, Desmond Howard, <laughs> won that back in 1991. <laughs> now, if I had a vote, it'd be for Trevor Lawrence.
0: You know, only because we haven't seen a receiver this solid in, in s- such a long time, Devontae Smith, and the numbers he's put up, and if you watch that uh, college semifinal game this past weekend, Dude's legit. He's pretty
2: good. And uh, Alabama has two or three guys that are probably pretty deserving. There. Sure. So.
0: Well, and when was the last time, again, I know they've said this before, uh, that teammates have been in the top four for a Heisman
2: race? Probably two years ago with Alabama. But <laughs> yeah. no, no not? Just, I'm not for good sure. But, but you make a very good point. So It'll be interesting. We, uh, we will see. Uh, if you uh, missed it or didn't hear, no Nebraska basketball tonight. Mm-hmm. Against Purdue, that one's been scrubbed due to COVID. KU's back in action for the first time since they lost uh, over the weekend. And starting with their athletic events next week, UNK, they are going to hope to expand the amount of seating they can have for hmm. spectators. Uh, through the month of December for the basketball games, it was immediate family only. They're looking to open up next week. 25%, maybe around a 1,000 people might be able to check out wow. the basketball games and with the uh, wrestling events coming up.
0: Health and Sports Center is a good size. I would think you could uh, you, spread everybody you out. Yeah, so. all right. Very good. That'd be nice for them, I'm sure. All right, let's turn it over to Bob Broken and midday business and stocks. Looks like they're doing a little bit better today.
3: The Dow Industrials up a little bit. Also, uh, the Nasdaq and S and P are up, uh, recovering some of their sharp losses from yesterday. American factories grew in December at the fastest pace in more than two years. Uh, Manufacturing continues to fare better during the pandemic than than the battered services sector at this point. And England is going to have a national lockdown because of the pandemic. Details on that coming up.
0: It's tap for regional ag weather update here on this Tuesday, January 5th. As now sitting in with us is Paul Perkins and well, Paul, we've been talking about this. Well, I don't want to call it a winter weather event because it really probably isn't. But uh, there, there's some uh, w- winter
4: weather coming. Exactly, a little a return to more January weather on the way. Uh, luckily, it won't be too bad, uh, too impactful of a system over the next few days. But, uh, but enjoy the w- nice weather while we do have it, uh, because some. Changes are on the way, basically.
0: Well, Kimball right now is at 51 degrees. <laughs> I mean, goodness, it's already warming up down in the uh, Kansas area, Hill City area is looking around 50 as well. So, yeah, feeling nice and warm.
4: Definitely uh, some westerly downslope winds helping in that warm-up, especially in western areas of Nebraska and Kansas into northeast Colorado, where most of the temperatures are in the upper 40s to low 50s. Much of central and east Nebraska still uh, with temperatures in the upper 30s to low 40s. A lot of these temperatures are actually pretty close to what we usually see for daytime mm-hmm. highs this time of year.
0: Now, the northeast region, that's kind of where they got a lot of the snow last week. Is that why they're not warming up as fast?
4: Exactly, yeah, because especially to the north of Omaha, it's still at 29 and the Takema area, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the snow still persisting across much of central and eastern areas of Nebraska, especially to the north of I-80. You really can't see it today because of the cloud cover that is kind of mixing with their sun today, but... Uh, where it is clear uh, that's still very prevalent in central and east Nebraska to the north of the interstate. So even after today
0: and tomorrow, We're just going to be more seasonal-like temperatures. We're not going to drop down to where we had teens and
4: 20s as high as uh, last week. Exactly, and this is actually the coldest time of the year, so we could Mm. very well get to that, but it doesn't look like that will be the case over the next few days. let's hope not. (laughs) Enjoy today because today, our mildest day of the next seven with highs expected to top out 10 to 15 degrees warmer than usual thanks to a weak ridge of high pressure moving overhead. That's ahead of our next system. Precipitation chances start to increase from west to east later today through tonight with low pressure and a cold front tracking to the east. Some rain and snow is possible as early as this afternoon from western Nebraska to western Kansas. That precipitation could start out as rain before it transitions to all snow during the overnight as some colder air starts to mix in. This system, though, not going to be overly impactful. Due to a lack of moisture, snow amounts expected to be less than an inch. Areas along and north of I-80 have the best chance of seeing amounts greater than a half-inch. Areas to the south of I-80 more likely to see anywhere from zero to half an inch. So once again, along the north of I-80. Best chance of seeing amounts greater than a half an inch of snow to the south of I-80, likely to see zero to half an inch of snow. We could see right around one to three inches of snow in far north central areas of Nebraska towards the O'Neill area. The precipitation is expected to taper off from west to east tomorrow afternoon. On the backside, we will see northwest winds tomorrow beyond the breezy to windy side with gusts of 30 to 40, causing some blowings and snow. Thursday through early next week, mainly dry as systems pass to our north and south, we may get brushed by a slight chance of some precipitation but nothing major. Temperatures will cool to more January levels for tomorrow on into Monday. The typical January temperatures in this typically coldest time of the year not going to last long. Overall temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas expected to be at least slightly warmer than normal for Sunday through January 18th. Nebraska and Kansas precipitation expected to be near normal to slightly below normal for early next week. Those precipitation chances, though, increase by the middle of next week through the 18th to slightly above normal precipitation. Weather factors driving the markets include scattered rain for crop areas in South America and possible moisture for wheat areas of South Russia. Here on the plains, snow from last week has largely melted the exception in eastern areas of Nebraska and the Dakotas. Winter wheat has benefited, but significant soil moisture shortages persist in some areas. In the last month, portion of the wheat crop rated very poor to poor in Nebraska did drop from 26% to 15%. And in Kansas, that wheat crop rated very poor to poor dropped from 22 to 17%. In the next several days, precipitation across the plains will be widespread, but mostly light. Across Brazil, scattered rain is predicted, but heavy amounts will be isolated to central areas. The row crop health in Brazil is mixed. Southern areas have seen more widespread crop health issues due to more stretches of dry weather. The forecast indicates more widespread rain over south Brazil during the next week, while scattered showers will continue in central areas. In Argentina, scattered showers have been noted early on this week. But more long-standing dryness will follow the rest of this week. Overall, Argentina crop weather conditions are stressful to corn and soybeans. The forecast suggests more rain chances, though, for next week. Wheat areas of South Russia will see moderate to heavy rain and snow during this next week. Some useful moisture for the wheat crop. The region was very dry as the wheat went dormant. I'm looking
0: here at the southern portion of the Panhandle, and it looks like there might be a little precipitation. Is that kind of what you're seeing, or is that just cloud coverage?
4: It's probably uh, maybe a few sprinkles, yeah, especially from about Oshkosh and Sydney to around the Julesburg, Colorado area. But probably not a lot of it making it to the ground since it's pretty dry currently.
0: Well, and this is not unexpected. We, we figured it would develop in the west and then obviously move to the east.
4: Exactly. And a little more moisture is starting to uh, pick up ahead of steam, especially from about central Wyoming on into northwest Colorado. Okay.
0: Well, so the moral of the story is enjoy today's weather because tomorrow and the rest of the week likely be more seasonal type temps. You bet. Back to more reality
4: check of January (laughs) weather on the way here. (laughs) All right. Very good. Well, thank you. For more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, com. All right. As we enter into 2021,
1: there are some programs still available for sign up through the RMA. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Current administrator Martin Barbary and I talked about options that are still out there and a look at crop insurance as well.
5: Uh, Susan, uh, you know, obviously people have been looking for something to, to fill that deductible gap, and that, that's what the enhanced coverage option does. It, it just provides an additional area-based coverage. Basically, county—it's a county-based policy, not an individual-based policy. But basically, it, it's coverage for a portion of the of the under producer's underlying yield or revenue based product, the, the policy deductible. So um it's available starting with the spring sales crop. Uh, must be purchased as an endorsement. This is not a standalone, they can't just buy the, the top end without buying the, you know, you you gotta have a an MPCI policy, yield protection, revenue protection, et cetera. So it just it gives you an opportunity to to ensure that gap up to ninety or ninety five. You have options of both. And the trigger means it's basically a percentage of the expected yield or revenue, which a a loss becomes payable. So uh, it's going to be covering over 30 crops starting in 2021. And then obviously, as we go forward, we will be adding additional crops. Uh, This was brought to us by a submitter and with the backing of several of the insurance companies. They all felt like it was a very important thing that we get out. And so obviously, when we were talking about this last spring, prices were in a different Realm than they are right now, but uh, that will only en- enhance the producer's coverages. So as we go forward, so.
1: and it's good to know. I, I mean, that, really so this starts again, like you said, in 2021, but it gives yes. them some options for this. What is their what is their time frame for them to have to to look at this um, enhanced coverage option um, to be able to make it'll, that it'll decision?
5: Be, their their sales closing date for this will be the same as their underlying MPCI policy. So for most of our major spring crops that it starts like january 28th down in in the very south part of texas but most of those spring sales closing dates end at march 15th so and that's the big one so they will have basically they'll have to buy it at the same time they buy their mdci policy
1: you guys have also been seeking some feedback when it comes to the crop insurance program in itself.
5: Yeah, great. Uh, you know, we've got the con- the comment period open for the pasture, land, rangeland and forage product. Uh, over the years, that program has really grown. Uh, last six or eight years, it's grown from 60 million acres to close to 160 million acres. Uh, there's there's situations we, we've we seen where it's, maybe it's sold more as a revenue assurance Uh We've, we've tried to we're trying to figure out how to make the product act more like a crop interest product. That's really the big thing we're looking for. Uh, most of the we've got 700 and some comments in so far that comment periods open until the 20, 21st I think of December uh, looking for positive not not necessarily quote positive feedback to the ideas we've put out there and everyone's keeps saying, well, you're going to make these changes. No, these are just ideas that we're looking at to make it more more user-friendly for producers. Um, sometimes we feel like it pays too shallow a losses and really doesn't pay big losses when a producer really needs it. So just a lot of things we're looking at. We're looking at the data set that goes with it. So there's there's been some questions about that, but we're,
1: we're trying to get it to where it works better for producers. That is the current RMA administrator, Richard Barbary, as we talked about programs that are being offered through his department under the USDA. You, of course, can find out further details by going to rma.usda.gov. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network.
0: It's time for Midday Sports. Jason, step back in the studio. and Well, tonight, Jason will know who is the Heisman Trophy winner.
2: Yeah, first time in a while that the Heisman Trophy has not been handed out on a Saturday night in early December. Two Alabama teammates, quarterback Mac Jones and wide receiver Devontae Smith join Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence and Florida quarterback Kyle Trask as a finalist. Smith has already become the first wide receiver selected as Associated Press Player of the Year, and now he's looking to become the first receiver to win the Heisman since Michigan's Desmond Howard back in 1991. We'll see how it all shakes out tonight. We'll see if having a couple of Alabama players there and as finalists, if they kind of split the vote or how this all works mm-hmm. out. Now, Mac
0: Jones played really well, as did Kyle Trask. I don't think he helped himself by having all those interceptions uh, his last time out. But Devontae Smith and goodness, we all know about Trevor Lawrence. The one thing I think that's going to hurt him is by not playing those what one yep, or two games that's very because true. of COVID.
2: So. so we'll see how it shakes out tonight. Uh, Nebraska picked up more good news yesterday as junior quarterback Cam Taylor Britt. Has decided to forego the draft process and come back to Lincoln for another season. He joins senior linebacker JoJo Dillman as key Husker defenders who've decided to return. Taylor Britt was a second-team All-Big Ten selection this fall. He played in every game with seven starts. This is a good move uh, by him. Also, it helps out the Huskers. I've seen some people online getting really excited about the Blackshirts. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, they they were improved, but they still have a long... Way to go!
0: But this will help next year. You bring, as you mentioned, Joe Joe as well over the weekend. Mentioned he's coming back, so having that experience. Yeah, you're not going to be world beaters at that time, but uh, you know it'll be interesting. It can't hurt. It's better than them not coming Mm -hmm. back.
2: Carney native Miko Mazner's headed back home to play football at UNK. Of course, he originally signed out of high school to play football at Princeton, but due to the pandemic, they didn't play last fall. Coming out of Carney, he had scholarship offers from the likes of Liberty and South Dakota State. Iowa State, if you remember, also offered him a scholarship back in 2018. He'll certainly add some speed to an already deep loper backfield. Can't wait to see him mm-hmm. on the edge, of the speed option for the lopers in the future. There will be no men's basketball game tonight between Nebraska and Purdue. The universities mutually agreed to postpone that one due to COVID. College basketball action tonight. Fourth-ranked Texas returns home to face Iowa State, while sixth-ranked Kansas is at TCU. Jayhawks are smarting after they were blown out by the Longhorns over the weekend. And UNK is scheduled to host its first athletic events of the new year next week when the basketball teams and wrestling squad are scheduled to be in action at home. Athletic Director Mark Bowers says they hope to increase seating just a little bit.
6: We're going to open it up to 25%, which is a little over 1,000. I don't know that we're going to have that many uh, people, fans in attendance Uh, But we have the opportunity, again, to really spread things out. We're very fortunate with the Health and Sports Center. We have a beautiful facility. Uh, We can open it up a little bit more, get a few more fans in there.
2: Through the month of December, only immediate family members were allowed into the games. This week, the Loper basketball teams are on the road at Lincoln University in Central Missouri, while the wrestling team is scheduled to compete at Iowa State. So... It'll be nice to have a few more folks in there.
0: That it is. And you'll be on the road this weekend. You're leaving tomorrow.
2: We leave with the team tomorrow. So we had a good old Jefferson City, Missouri. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Travel safe tomorrow. Appreciate it.
0: It's time for Midday News, and our own News Director, Dave Schroeder, steps in. And Well, good afternoon to you, Dave. Hey,
7: good afternoon. Beautiful day today, and uh, it's just, uh, just a great day to do things. It is,
0: and this is an interesting story that you'll lead off with, uh, with Nebraska Public Power District, but uh, trying to be green, I suppose.
7: Yes, uh, Nebraska Public Power District has worked hard uh, over many years to uh, uh, add the uh, green energy to its... Uh, mix and so forth. And, of course, you have a special project going uh, on south of Lincoln near the community of Hallam. So, oh, okay. Well, Monolith Materials and Nebraska Public Power District plan to cooperate on a renewable energy project that could be one of the largest in the state's history. Nebraska Public Power District CEO Tom Kent says the agreement involves the utility providing 2 million megawatt hours every year, which would be enough to allow Monolith to power a proposed $1 billion expansion near Hallam with 100% renewable energy.
8: Today, we're pleased to announce that we have signed a letter of intent with Monolith, which is poised to become the largest electricity consumer in the state, outlining our intention to procure sufficient renewable energy resources to generate approximately 2 million megawatt hours of electricity annually. This clean generation will, inc- will, inc- will create enough renewable energy certificates to match monoliths annual energy usage and meet their environmental and sustainability goals. While NPPD will be adding significantly to our generation mix, our agreement will allow us to continue to maintain our highly competitive rates and top-notch reliability.
7: Well Kent said the utility will seek proposals for wind and solar generation in March and expects to have agreements by September 1st. A company that makes and distributes automotive parts and racing products is opening a $300,000 square, or make that 300,000 square foot distribution center in eastern West Virginia. Governor Jim Justice in West Virginia says the Speedway Motors Distribution Center in Carneysville, West Virginia, will bring 25 jobs to that state. The Lincoln, Nebraska-based company owned business plans to start hiring this month for jobs that includes human resources, warehouse, and maintenance. Speedway Motor CEO Clay Smith says the West Virginia location will cut shipping times for customers on the East Coast. The Nebraska Legislature convenes at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg.
5: This starts a new biennium, so this is a uh, long session, a 90-day session. Each session that we have is part of a two-year biennium, so we do a two-year budget that we fine-tune during the the second year. But we kind of go two years at a time. We elect uh, leadership for the body for a two-year period. So that's the speaker, chair of the exec board, and all of the committee chairmen. So we'll do that on the first day of the legislative session this year and then get to work.
7: Senator Williams serves District 36, which includes all of Dawson and Custer counties, along with the northern half of Buffalo County. That's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. Thank you very much.
9: Well, now that 2020 has come and gone, the Nebraska State Dairy Association is looking forward to what 2021 has to offer. And today we are joined by Chris Bosquet. He's the executive director of the association. Chris, I want to start off our conversation by talking about some of the association's accomplishments in year 2020.
6: Yeah, you know, 2020, you, you nailed it. It's just a crazy year. And so we had to change the way we were prioritizing some of our time in the past and and move them towards some different avenues. And, um, you know, this year with COVID, we had a significant uh, supply and demand issue, which resulted in a lot of farmers having some uh, difficulties getting their milk to market. And so one of the accomplishments that we had was, uh, you know, we stepped in and helped figure out along with University of Nebraska, the Department of Environment and Energy, specifically how they're supposed to dispose of that amount of milk with this issue that we have going on. And so uh, our relationships that we have with local government officials were really highlighted at that time point because it was just a direct, you know, communication point there. But really that that uh, discussion, kind of moved us into this refrigeration grant program that I helped out with. Uh, And it was kind of a joint venture between Midwest Dairy, the Nebraska State Dairy Association, and also AFAN, uh, the final carrier of the project. And so, uh, you know, we were able to utilize our relationships with the state and local governments to basically help out food banks in need throughout the state of Nebraska. AFAN was the one that really took that project over and carried it forward. And the reach that they had uh, was incredible. It was over 40 organizations that got a $4,000 grant to buy refrigeration uh, or a freezer. And why that's important is because at this time of, you know, significant backlog of raw product, this was something that we uh, thought would take backlogged product, bulk product or what have you off the market to create room for, for more processing capacity. And so, although it may have just been a small amount, uh, you know, it was able, we were able not only to do that, but set up uh, local food pantries across the state of Nebraska to feed refrigerated products like fruits, vegetables, and obviously dairy, cheese, you know, refrigerated dairy products. And so it was just a win-win all around for that specific issue. And then uh, one of the other wins that we had was the Livestock Producer Grants. You know, we were... Just like all the other ag groups really uh, talking with uh, the Department of Agriculture on, you know, the significant need and and what was happening with the milk price and and why we needed some support from our state government with the COVID relief dollars. And uh, we're extremely happy to see that uh, Governor Pete Ricketts and uh, the Department of Agriculture and Department of Economic Development work together to get those uh, livestock producer grants out. Such so is a huge help. I know our farmers, I got multiple calls from dairy farmers across the state of Nebraska that really appreciated those, that funding coming in. And so really proud of those uh, accomplishments throughout the year.
9: Well, Chris, you had briefly mentioned the role of AFAN in some of the association's projects throughout the year, and you've recently taken on kind of a dual role between AFAN and the association. So tell us more about this role and what it really means for you.
6: I am extremely excited about it. Uh, I've been in, in, in the AFAN role as their director of livestock development now uh, since November 1st. Um, and, and really how it all came about was our farmers really want to put the foot on the gas pedal when it comes to growth and development of the dairy industry. You know, it's, uh, it's been a long project. The growth and development side has really uh, been, it's been tough. And so we wanted to try something different and uh, a fan obviously has been a great partner with us throughout, you know, I think roughly 15 years since their inception, we've, we've kind of had this grow Nebraska dairy coalition. And so now I can, I can focus on growing the dairy industry as a part of my full-time job, which is something that I am extremely happy about, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just the efficiencies between us, between the two organizations and, and what AFAN does and where the NSDA wants to go. The symmetry uh, really flows well, and uh, I couldn't be happier to help farmers, not only in the dairy world, but in the pork and the poultry and the beef world, uh, add livestock to their uh, portfolio. And that's something that, as a kid who grew up on a farm who loved raising livestock, I'm extremely excited about.
9: Absolutely. And that kind of goes right into what we're going to talk about next, because Chris, as you transition into your new role with both AFAN and the association, um, the association is also gearing up for some exciting things in 2021. And first off, that comes with the Nebraska State Dairy Association annual convention. It is seeing some changes. So give us the updated details on this.
6: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that we would keep all the COVID-19 issues in 2020, but unfortunately, uh, they're rolling over to 2021 at least somewhat, uh, so we had basically a couple conflicting farm shows um, scheduled for the exact same time frame as our show, and so we ended up having to move our show back, our convention back a, co- a couple weeks, and so now we're going to be holding it on March 18th uh, in Columbus, uh, Ramada Inn, same place, same time, same agenda still uh, a great event to go to. If you've never been, we welcome you. Uh, It's an opportunity for our our dairy farmers across Nebraska to get together with our allied members and, you know, the people that really work hard and service the equipment and take care of our farmers throughout the year. So, and and it's also a a good opportunity for our dairy farmers to mingle with the people that are in charge of the boards that, uh, you know, the checkoff boards and the state dairy association boards and We invite anybody and everybody that is interested in in dairy farming to come along. So that was the big change this year.
9: All right, great information. Once again, that'll be held March 18th at the same place, same time in Columbus, Nebraska. But again, Chris Bosquet joining us. He's the executive director of the Nebraska State Dairy Association. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's soybean farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
8: I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattleman. 100% percent beef oriented KRVN Cattleman brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources, including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus, hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com.
3: With the Business Report for this Tuesday, I'm Bob Brogan. U.S. stocks are wobbling between small gains and losses a day after dropping to their their worst loss in months amid worsening pandemic and potentially market-moving Senate elections. The S&P 500 was three-tenths of a percent higher in afternoon trading, and the majority of big stocks in the index were rising. Oil producers led the way as crude prices strengthened The market's moves are tenuous, though. The S&P 500 at one point lost all of an early morning rise, even after a report showed that U.S. manufacturing grew last month at its strongest pace since 2013. American factories grew in December at the fastest pace in more than two years as manufacturing continued to fare better during the pandemic than the battered services sector. The Institute for Supply Management reporting today that its gauge of manufacturing activity rose to 60.7% last month, the highest reading since it stood at 60.8 in 2018. The activity gauge was up 3.2 percentage points from a November level of 57.5. Any reading above 50 indicates expansion in the manufacturing sector. England is entering a third national lockdown that will last at least 6 weeks as authorities struggle to stem a surge in COVID-19 infections that threatens to overwhelm hospitals around the U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced a tough new stay-at-home order for England until at least mid-February to combat a new, more contagious coronavirus variant. Scottish leader Nicola Sturgeon also imposed a lockdown. The two leaders said the measures were needed to protect the National Health Service from becoming overwhelmed. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan.
10: Looking back on the success of the past year. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. The Nebraska Beef Council is responsible for the state beef checkoff. The council invests in research, promotion, consumer information, and more. I recently visited with Adam Wegner, who serves as the Director of Marketing. As we look back on 2020, the Beef Checkoff invested in a couple of new campaigns. First, the Rural Radio Network and the Nebraska Beef Council teamed up on a new promotion. It was apparel with the words, Good Life Great Steaks inside a Nebraska state outline.
11: Yeah, those were a a great uh, promotion that we did. Really, the the Good Life Great Steaks that you just mentioned, that came about uh, because during the pandemic, uh, there were some people that were struggling to find food, course the the supply chain issues that were going on, and there was there were people that were were really struggling, so we looked for a way that we could help out with that as you mentioned we We sold these shirts uh, with the proceeds going to the food banks, and uh the, the outpouring of that was tremendous. We sold over twelve hundred uh shirts during that period. Uh, They were sold to over 20 different states. There was 200 different communities in Nebraska that received them. And uh, at the end of the day, we donated over $8,000 to the food banks in Nebraska uh, to put more beef on on the tables of people that need it. So a really great promotion. And it was really two-sided because uh, while it was a great cause, it also helped uh, promote the beef industry here in our state. And uh, I I really enjoy still seeing those shirts uh, float around. Uh, different events and different places that we travel.
10: Another campaign was quite
11: successful over the past year. It was called United We Steak. Uh, on the On the national side of things, the United We Steak campaign was rolled out this summer. And it was really just kind of a way to uh, emphasize that, um, you know, everybody can get behind the idea of enjoying beef during the summer, uh, get behind the grill, even though we may not be going places or uh, spending time with family and friends, uh, we can still get behind the one thing which is our love for beef and uh, that campaign went really well it was also another opportunity for us to highlight the hard work that our farmers and ranchers are doing to put that beef on your table so uh, again two great programs that we able to execute this summer and had some really great results
10: while 2020 dealt plenty of challenges to producers organizations and consumers alike adam says there was still quite a bit to be grateful for and to celebrate over the past year.
11: Well, like you said, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, th- this past year has been a struggle, a struggle for our consumers, certainly a struggle for our beef producers that are out there. Um, but we've really shown some resilience on both ends. And I think that, uh, you know, moving forward into 2021, the demand for our product for beef products is going to be very high and we're going to have an opportunity to put a lot of our product out there on the tables of consumers not just across the united states but all over the world so i think the opportunity to, to move uh, nebraska's uh, number one product overseas is going to be tremendous and a great opportunity for our our producers so we're looking forward to that and then like i said before uh, just Putting our face out there in front of consumers and getting to actually interact with them, interact with some of our influencer groups again, and uh, just get back to doing what we what we love to do, which is promote beef and uh, drive to beef to beef demand, is going to be pretty exciting for us. So, uh, all all is uh, good moving into 2021, and we're pretty excited about all those opportunities.
10: That again, Adam Wagner, the Director of Marketing with the Nebraska Beef Council from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their Checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
8: Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, a strong. Upward day across the entire grain complex, being led here by the soybeans. However, with the sharp price increases, we are starting to see. Even if we get positive news from this WASD report next week, are we overpricing what could be possibly still good news?
12: We'll keep an eye on the export sales numbers, but again, this is normally the time of the year where we see them slow anyway. So it's going to be tough to kind of gauge what's going on because of is it because of high prices or is because we're simply yeah. Uh, I think for a corn to leg here through 5.20, you're going to really need to see ethanol catch on board, and, and in, in reality, you going to get the energy space in general higher, um, but on the soybean side, I mean, I think you just watch the bean oil contracts and watch the soybean meal, and if those will hang in and beans break, I think, you know, they're going to get, they should get bought, so, I <laughs> I just again, I've said this every day for the last probably month. I'm just astonished that this is where we are relative to six months ago. It's just, it's just amazing. And um, you know, I don't even think we've really priced in weather yet. So a lot more up, I think. If you want to be bullish, uh, you have $50 crude oil in the February contract, which is certainly supportive. And you have, you know, markets like Bitcoin. They're darn near touching 40,000. So all in all, here it's it's tough to say there's a high. I'm I'm going to think the USDA is going to have to dictate it a little bit.
8: Now does it kind of come back to that old rhetoric? Where do we start looking for these breaks to have an opportunity to step back into this bullish market?
12: Well, I personally would look at deferred contracts. I, I think, you know, stop trading the March. If you've made money in the March, maybe you want to step out. That's fine. Step out and maybe go out into September. You know, you're going to catch some discount there and probably a little less volatility as well. And if the market surges, you know, stuff isn't going to be left in the dust, I imagine. The acreage is still going to be an issue here. And uh, now you have a wheat market is starting to pick up a little bit. So it's, as I've said on the, my newsletter, I, I really like Minneapolis wheat. I think sometime this spring you'll see that catch up and really maybe jump over the Chicago. Um, you know, folks up north are going to have a, a, have a real dilemma I'm with the plant. And I the feeling, you know, $13 beans are worth $11.50 right now, so maybe a little more action to, to get them in, out of the wheat fields. But uh, you're going to see some of those fringe acres shift, and that's going to create a lot of anxiousness as we get into the end of March and start talking about acreage.
8: That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst for Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. You can always learn more by visiting their website, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, their website is DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do you remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And as uh, John was alluding to, he has his daily newsletter, This Week in Grain. You can sign up for a free trial of that when you visit their website. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Going to see nearly 40-cent gains in most of the soybean contracts as the settlements start to roll in all
0: right thank you very much clay that'll wrap up this tuesday edition of midday if you missed anything i want to go back and listen to any of the segments or conversations you can listen to our midday podcast sponsored by divany motors at krvn.com